Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Welcome to Irish GenPod. My name is Paul Gorry, and during the series, I'm chatting with people who are involved in various ways in Irish genealogy. Today, I'm speaking with Maeve Rogan, who is Publicity Officer with the North of Ireland Family History Society. Maeve is in Belfast, and I'm in Baltinglass, so this time the chat is over Zoom. Hello, and welcome, Maeve. Hello, Paul. Thank you very much for asking me. Delighted you could join me. Um, I suppose our listeners would like to know a little bit more about the North of Ireland Family History Society. Well, it's a group of family history societies in Northern Ireland. Um, we cover all nine counties. There are 10 branches spread across uh, the province. Um, we started in 1979, so over 40 years. Mm-hmm. It started off with um, a class. There was a family history class. There was an interest in researching roots in uh, County Down. So a lady called Kathleen Niles started a class. And from that class, there grew a branch, the first branch. So now we have 10 branches. Oh, right. Um, I, I knew there were... Well, you know, a number of branches, but 10, that's, that's, that's very good. And the society has a, a, a journal? Yes, it has a journal. Um, we started the journal because people overseas would like to read about what was happening. And that journal uh, was out once a year at the start, and now it's out twice a year. It's still going mm-hmm. strong. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you, you, you mentioned that it was founded in 1979. It's the second oldest um, society to do with Irish genealogy worldwide. The Irish Genealogical Research Society is the oldest. In 1936, it was founded. And it was a long time then before there was another one. So North Ireland Family History Society are, are um, some of the, the older kids on the block at this stage. <laughs> We're in good company. um yeah you're your publicity officer so what are your chores for for the society well i do a lot on social media trying to reach out to people around the world and let them know what we're doing and that our meetings are coming up and things like that so I, uh, i see that on facebook uh your list of of um uh lectures or events coming up each week Yes, um, I started that account, goodness, about 10 years ago, I think now. And uh, yeah, that's been great. There's about 7,000 people, I think, uh, following that, 8,000 people. And that's a way of letting people around the world know what's uh, going on across the society. And we also have uh, Twitter and our latest one is Instagram. We're trying to build that up a little bit at the moment. We're trying to move with the times. Well, you're on Instagram. I wasn't sure. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe I am following you. I'm not too sure. Didn't realize you were there. Um, Yes, I I think we might only have met once face to face. I'm not too sure, but I definitely met you at Back to Our Past in Belfast. Yes, we did. That was the the show that came up to Belfast. That that was great. Yeah, I really Mm. enjoyed that show. 
that was I think it was this it, it was the second or third one anyway that was held in Belfast because it wasn't the first one was in the Titanic Center isn't that right that's right yeah that lovely big building uh, that's 10 years old now that building is just celebrating its anniversary but oh, that was right. the first one. and then the next one I think the next two were at the waterfront hall waterfront yeah that's that's where I met you um yes I remember that um, and the North of Ireland Family History Society was very much in, in evidence uh, at those BTOPs in, in Belfast. Uh, sorry, BTOP is, well, my um, abbreviation for Back to Our Past. Um, a, a lot of people use it. But BTOP, um, when it was in Belfast, uh, the North of Ireland Family History Society had the biggest stand and very much the, the go-to uh, stand then. Yeah, I mean, that was a fantastic experience. I mean, we had volunteers coming to Belfast from all the branches all around Northern Ireland. And we had a rota set up for people to volunteer at the stand. So people were wearing their uh, society T-shirts. So they were wandering about the hall in between their volunteer instance. So everybody could see that the society was there. There were so many people volunteering. It was great. And we had a a huge we had a little bit of assistance from Family Tree DNA and they had the DNA table beside us because we run a very large DNA project. So all combined, there was just so many people there and it was just great to see all those people, you know, that you maybe only see maybe once or twice a year or you send emails and then all of a sudden you're all there in the one spot. It's just like one big family. Yeah, well, I mean, it's great publicity for for the society uh, when you have them all going around with their T-shirts, but also it is a great place for people to meet because we don't really meet up very much now. A lot of stuff is online and uh, even if you go into a record repository, you don't necessarily meet people that you know. Um, But at at something like Back to Our Past, uh, you you know, you're you're sort of catching up, your annual catch up with people that you would... uh, uh, be f- very familiar with over the yeah. years yeah um, no that's the one things I really appreciate about uh, the Back to Your Past show because you do meet people you only see maybe once a year so yeah I, I totally agree with you it's really yeah. good it's a fun day yeah well uh, and North of Ireland came to to the B-tops in Belfast uh, sorry in Dublin as well so um we might see you there again maybe next year or whenever yeah that'd be great yes i remember yeah. going to those and going around taking photographs and everything of the stand and the talks it's always you know it's a good experience so yeah mm-hmm. that'd be good uh you mentioned about 10 branches uh could could you rattle off the names of them or where they are what kind of <laughs> it's a memory test okay so uh belfast obviously the capital northern ireland then um south of there we would have killy and lisburn mm-hmm. let's see where else we would have um, my own uh, branch is newton abbey just north of belfast then we have larne we have balamina we have causeway coast and glens branch up at Coleraine. We have our foil branch um, over in the northwest. We have our Trome branch uh, in the Oma area. And then we have our South Trome branch. That's our newest branch. That's in the Dungannon, Ballygolly area. All right. That's great. And um, I know that during um, COVID, you were having Zoom uh, lectures that uh, presumably anyone from any of the branches could could have uh, attended yeah I mean that actually was a real uh, revelation to us in a way 
the fact that we could so easily attend meetings now at other branches and you know see people more frequently and attend you know their meetings and hear their talks and you know it's an education process I suppose you know hearing the talks but it's more than that it's a community so you get a chance to ask people in the local community you know well do you know about this record or have you heard of that church you know so it's really brought people even closer together in some ways even though we weren't actually meeting in real life Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah you know, it got no, away, it, done away with the, the travel difficulties, maybe, you know, you would, wouldn't necessarily travel 100 miles to go to a meeting, but you could just <laughs> zoom in. Yeah, now, I think a lot of organizations found that, that, you know, Zoom sounded like, I don't know, very, too much 21st century for a lot of people, oh, I couldn't be bothered with that, but once we had to use it, or, or you know, any of the, the webinar um, facilities or whatever, um, it, it it became relatively easy and became part of life over the two years. It really uh, has. Yeah, I would agree. So did you have um, overseas people attending any of those uh, COVID, I was going to say COVID, um, Zoom lectures, the lectures that were held uh, over Zoom? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that has been such a benefit, actually, to us. Um, we've got one uh, night owl from Australia, from Perth, and she gets up at, I think, three o'clock in the morning. And she's, <laughs> I don't know how she discovered us, I must ask her, but uh, she did discover us and very early on in the, during the pandemic and set her alarm clock regularly and turned up at meetings. I met her at one of our um, troll meetings. And I was amazed at her story. And since then, she has gone to so many meetings and she's taken part um, more fully in the society and helped out with uh, one of our projects lately. Uh, That's we, brilliant. Yeah, so it's been fantastic. And at a meeting recently about, the, um, there's a project, uh, you'll know yourself, about the public record office in Ireland, you know, went up in flames and trying to reclaim all those records um, from around the world, the Beyond 2022 project. Mm -hmm. So we had a talk there recently in the Newton Abbey branch and it was nearly a full house with people from everywhere. Uh, with Wales, Scotland, England, Ireland, all our local people, Australia, Canada, East Coast America, West Coast America. You know, it was just such a fantastic experience and the, the mm. questions and the you know chat at the end was great as well. It was just great. That was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Mm, it really was. So so overseas people can become members of the North of Ireland Family History Society? Absolutely, we welcome them. The split at the minute would be, it used to be about 50-50, as it built up to 50-50 over the years between local members and overseas members. And mm -hmm. uh, it's still about that. Um, so yeah, we absolutely welcome them. We have a category of membership, uh, associate members uh, for our overseas people. So are they members of a branch or just directly members of the North of Ireland Family History Society? Well, the lines have been, got a little bit blurred since the pandemic. It used to be there were direct members, associate members of the, of the society. But now that people are you know, discovering Zoom, they are becoming members of branches directly. So we're trying to look at that at the moment to see where we, um, how we accommodate that going forward. Because people like to link with their local roots. Yeah, yeah. So overseas members have the benefit of the journal. Yes, they do. Also now the um, the Zoom lectures. I presume they're going to continue. 
Yes, we're talking about that very much. So uh, we are looking into a hybrid model. Now, we haven't got it set up yet, but uh, all our branches are looking into that and the society as a whole is looking into that because we really want to, you know, we've seen the benefits of it, so we want to continue with that. Mm, yeah, yeah. I think most societies have 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 seen that uh, Zoom. Uh, of course, you know, if, if you're in the one country and uh, you want to meet up, I, I think we're going to have that hybrid thing where some some things will be on Zoom and some things will be face to face because uh, we've missed people. Um, yeah. All right, seeing somebody on Zoom, it's nice to have a little chat, but it's lovely to meet up. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I miss the, the meetings because one of the best things about the meetings for me was after the talk, you went and had a cup of tea and a biscuit and you talk to people and you'd say, well, look, I have a brick wall, you know, and they would point you in the direction of somebody of, the, oh, they've done that or they know somebody who does that or, you know, it's all those um, personal connections and chatting, you know, face to face. In some ways, you can't replicate that in Zoom, but, you know, not sure, it's, no. it's not bad at the same time. But yeah, real life meetings are brilliant. Yeah, yeah. No, I think a mixture of both is is the solution, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, one of our branches the other day, um, I heard that they're having, rather than a talk, they were going to have just uh, a meeting, just chatting, you know, to, to, mm-hmm. to discuss all their brick walls, because they missed that as well. Yeah, so they're doing yeah. it by Zoom, but they're trying to replicate their real life meeting. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good. I, yeah, I've been at one or two things like that, and it, it's good because you know you're you're not just sitting listening to somebody talking for forty five minutes and then having a few minutes to to ask questions. You're actually talking to your friends, basically. So, Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In some of our uh, meetings, you know, we do have the talk, and then afterwards, you know, the chat can go on for quite a while. So we, we do have a mixture. Hmm. Hmm. I suppose the society's library is one of its greatest assets. Yeah, I mean, I love our library and I love going into the, the room with all the street directories. I just think they look lovely, all the red covers. <laughs> um, yeah, the um, library is great, you know, and we get people wanting to visit from all over the world because we've gathered together over the years. Our librarians have been brilliant at gathering together local reference books and about local churches and local historical societies doing projects about, you know, the various areas all around the, the north. Mm-hmm. And there are all the church transcriptions. They can just sit there and sit all day and just work their way through them and come back another day, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And there's all the help as well. I mean, the people that are in the society, they've been volunteering for years. They really know their, um, they just know their stuff. And the people coming into the library can get all that assistance and help and get pointers of where they can go next, things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I suppose they, they would encounter people like Anne Robinson there. Uh, does, does Anne volunteer? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, Anne's the president and Anne is also the librarian and she would uh, volunteer at the library as well. So, yeah, mm-hmm. Anne knows so much. She's brilliant. Yeah. And of course, she's always there to the fore when uh, when attending Back to Our Past as well. So she she is. The, yes. The face is familiar to to many people in Irish genealogy. Yeah. Um, we have a, a lot of volunteers, you know, and everybody plays their role. And yeah, we have the same people, you know, going to the same shows. And 
you know, when we go, went to the shows over in, in England as well, we had volunteers living in England and they would have turned up every year without fail to help oh, out as well. That's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, the, the library used to be in Belfast. It was. It was over in, in East Belfast and two different locations in East Belfast. Um, and then a few years ago, it moved to uh, Newton Abbey and mm-hmm. that's near uh, where my local branches. So better premises, um, bigger building, uh, so more room. And there was room for a classroom as well for our classes now. All right. and But it's also, it's it's not too far from Belfast. No, it's about oh, 15, 20 minutes drive out of Belfast, no distance. Right. Yeah. And uh, the opening hours, I think it's open, is it twice a week? Well, yeah, pre-COVID, it was open twice a week. So we are hoping to open it again uh, soon. We're looking into that at the minute. Mm-hmm. and do people make an appointment how how do they they don't um, just turn up well you know the well i'm not too sure about post uh COVID. uh they probably will have to book I, I don't know the exact details but uh beforehand we had opening hours and people just used to drop in um that, that was no problem at all but outside of our special opening days people could email us um I think it's bookings at nifhs.org. I need to double check that. They just would email and their request, say they're coming from Australia in three months time and they were going to be there on a, a day we weren't going to be open and they could arrange for a volunteer to be there. And oh, that's really good. Yeah, yeah no, but personal service, uh, really fantastic and get talking to somebody and use the resources. You know, if somebody's coming all that distance, you know, we'll try to help them if they can, if they're one of our members. Yeah, yeah that's very good. Um, and of course, you know, details will be on the website as well. Yeah, details will be on the website whenever we do open up again and it'll be on our social media as well. I mean, on our social media, it's just NIFHS, you know, on all the different platforms. Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text. Plus numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones, make friends with innovation. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not subscribe to Senior Times? Visit the website at seniortimes.ie and like us on Facebook. So Maeve, how did you become interested in genealogy? Well, when I was a teenager, my auntie, my godmother, um, she gave me a book about family history to fill in. So I thought it was interesting, but teenager, I, I didn't actually get around to doing it, but I always had that interest. Um, so I went from there. But just the other day, I was thinking when I was back in primary school in our last year, just after our exams, the 11 plus, our teacher uh, decided to get us out of the classroom and she took us across the road to the local graveyard to do a project. So that was really interesting. And I was talking to my cousin about that and she loved it as well. And it was a sense of history. And 
we discovered they had an old church there. And later on, we discovered that our um, great grandparents had got married in that church. So that was really oh, interesting. Right, right. So I suppose I was about, I don't know, 11 at that stage, 10 or 11. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it sort of took off from there and over the years you know I've been very lucky my father and my late um, father-in-law as well have, were both very interested in family history so talking to them you know it was just an education you know all the people they knew all the things they remembered um, my mum as well and so it went from there and just it's all the wee stories that you find you know from a Roscommon roots I discovered that I have a family I think of about 10 children I haven't quite figured that but out five of them went off to New York and three of them married German people so that was just totally new to me in a way I knew there'd been one man an uncle Edmund who was a bit of a character he retired back to Sligo and you know, I just loved hearing the stories about him. He was a ship's carpenter, traveled all around the world, married my great aunt, things like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when searching that family, you know, discovering the American records and then that then that helped me with my northern uh, connection. I discovered a Donegal great aunt um, in the American records and I found a photograph of that uh, lady, um, Sarah Elizabeth McGrath. I was searching the American records and I found a photograph for her. So I didn't have any photographs of that part of the family. So that just kept me into school. How did you find the photograph? Well, I didn't know a lot about this lady. I just had a name on the family tree. That was it. And she was in the census, 1901 census. Mm-hmm. I, I, I sort of got an inkling she might have been in America. So I looked at the records and I found her naturalization record. And that was fine. Very happy to find that. I had a little bit of information about it finally. But then I thought, well, those records are somewhere else as well. They were also in family search. So I looked at the naturalization records there, found the same thing. But then I went forward a page and backwards a page and bingo, there was a photograph of her. Wow. <laughs> so I was just delighted. And I shared that That's on the Facebook with and the family. We were just sort of, oh, wow, you found a photograph, you know, way back then. And, you know, it was just really good to find that. And so you were well advanced in in family history and researching and and sort of getting to know family history, which is, you know, that's that's what genealogy is all about, finding photographs of ancestors and stories of ancestors and whatnot. And then you joined the North of Ireland Family History Society. Yes, I did. Um, I'd been at a class. Uh, they'd organized quite a few years before my dad came up to Belfast and we both went to a family history class and that was fine Um, I then knew they existed through that class and I was over in London one time on holiday I just used to live over there so I'd gone over for a holiday and I knew the big uh, who do you think you are show was on so I timed it to go to that and enjoyed that enormously. It was great seeing all the stands and all the, the talks and everything. So all the stand for the North of Ireland Family History Society, I thought, well, okay, that's the people I went to the class with and went over to talk to them. So yeah, I joined the society when I was over in London. <laughs> so you, you went from Northern Ireland to London to join the North of Ireland Family History Society in a way. <laughs> I did, I did, a little bit of a roundabout route. <laughs> and you've been you've been a member for a number of years now yeah gosh um I think about 12 years something like that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and 
How long have you been a publicity officer? A few years? That's about nine years, I think, now at this stage. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay, very good. And um, what was I going to say about that? I mean, that keeps you busy anyway, being being publicity officer and, and keeping up to date with social media and whatnot. But um, you were talking about volunteers as well. Have you done some volunteering in, in the past? I don't mean now in the in the library, but in um, in projects. Well, I did before in the past, I did a tiny bit of volunteering with that, but I'm going to take that up again because I'm promised that the handwriting is a lot better in this project and all we need to do is one page at a time. So there's no oh, big commitment. Good. So yeah, they're, they're trying to make it easy. Um, the lady called Sandra that, that runs that, she's been doing that now for quite a number of years and there's a huge number of uh, records that have been transcribed and a huge number that are in the pipeline. So what she does, she gets um, photographs of the books, of the records, you know, the birth records, the mm-hmm. graveyard records, school records, all sorts of records. She sends out the photographs of um, these pages and then people fill in a template on a spreadsheet with the information. And then she collates it all together with help from other volunteers and it gets it all put together so that people can then find their ancestors, hopefully, within that information. You know, genealogy has grown um, through genealogical societies or family history societies all around the world. And in recent years, they've been sidelined because everything went online, as everyone thinks. And so um, they're not they're not gaining members. In fact, they're losing members all over the world. And one of the main things that I think the societies were good for, apart from introducing uh, new people to the records and explaining things through having experienced volunteers there. The other thing is getting people to volunteer to do transcriptions and things like that. I, I think it's, it, 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 it was a very important thing for societies. Now, they're finding it very difficult to, to, to continue. But I think the North of Ireland Family History Society is one of, the, um, one of the exceptions that has grown rather than uh, dwindled. And it's, it's terrific. I suppose part of the formula is the fact that you have local branches and you have project managers and you have a library. So um, there's a lot to attract new members to the society and it's great to see and I was just thinking while you were talking I was thinking about Randall Gill. Randall Gill was one of the founders if not the founder I'm not quite sure of the society. He was there at the start yes. He was definitely there at the start and he was somebody that we all knew in Dublin um, in, in genealogical circles in Dublin and he was everyone was very fond of him and I'd say he would be very proud of how things have come on uh, in in the last decade I think it's about a decade since Randall died um, so yeah it's 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 great to hear how vibrant the North of Ireland Family History Society is. Oh, thank you Paul I mean it really is a great organization and I think one of the strengths is that you know it's people helping people you know, when people share their expertise, you know, they know something about a record or about a place or they know who to talk to and point people in the right direction. So people are very generous with their time and it just makes all the difference when you're starting out and you don't know what to do. And, 
you get that little bit of help. And even if it's something as simple as, I remember one of the first classes I attended, now our class program is fantastic. There's so many classes uh, for family history and that's still going ahead and that's all online now. But I remember one of the first classes I went to, um, it was about the census records and, you know, and the tip was, if you want to print out the census record, you cut off the edges. It was such a simple thing to do, but it meant you weren't printing all the black around the outside. So you yeah, weren't yeah. wasting all your ink. Wasting your ink, so, yeah. It's just it's such an easy, simple thing to do, but it makes a big difference. You know, people have mm. been there before you. They've done it. They know all the tips and tricks. You know, and that thing about, you know, that where I find the photograph of my, uh, was it my great aunt? Um in America, that was through a tip I learned through the society. You know, always check a different source as well if you can to try and back things up. And because there might be different information, and then go forward a page and go back a page. You know, it's Absolutely. learning things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> got to ask you a rude question. Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> you mentioned uh, great aunt, and actually, you, you were talking to me before, and you mentioned grand aunt. What would be your normal, um, uh, your, what, what would you have grown up with saying grand aunt or great aunt? <laughs> Do you know, I've been thinking about that question a lot lately and I, it's a bit fuzzy now in my head because it's changed over the years. I'm nearly certain it was grand aunt, but I think people now are changing to great aunt. They are. And <laughs> it's one of my bugbears. I, I <laughs> actually wrote a blog about it because I, I don't mind Americans or English people or Australians or whatever saying great aunt. But I I grew up with grand aunt. And I don't know whether it is because people are watching Who Do You Think You Are episodes and they're talking about great aunts and they, they feel oh, that's that's correct rather than grand aunt. Both of them are correct. But in the Irish context, I feel that grand was the traditional thing. Yeah, and I, I, think I suppose so. a lot of people, younger people, may not have met their grand <laughs> So uh, maybe they think, oh, great aunt is, is, is the correct thing. Uh, no, it's because you use both of them. That's the only reason I was asking. And um, I have a friend from, uh, well, the north of England, I think, uh, well, sort of Midlands, north of England, who's also a genealogist. And he was incensed that people were saying great aunt instead of grand aunt. So obviously in certain parts of England, grand aunt is the default uh, version. Anyway, that's just a side. No, it's very really interesting, you know, and because it is something I've been thinking about myself. And to me, if I thought about it a little bit more, I grew up with grand aunt. And it makes sense because, you know, it's your grandparents, sisters and brothers, you know grand yeah. aunt grand uncle so it does make sense but yeah i've been watching too much tv though so are you both tonight? <laughs> <laughs> and, and people uh, generally now i don't myself but people will say you're two times uh grandfather great grandfather and then they'll say they're one times great uncle and i'm totally confused when they say that i just don't know which what generation that great uncle is in uh, if they had said uh, great grand uncle, I that that th my head gets that all right. Oh, I'm with you on that. I think I would be confused uh, as well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it, it does, I suppose, um, it helps us, you know, 
figure out where people are in the tree but I you know like seeing things written down I like seeing the tree in front of me it makes much more sense absolutely yeah you know that I, I like um, the technology I like having a tree online um, I always have it with me and you know that's you know a thing I've always you know you might think differently to me but I from the start I didn't really keep the paperwork as such you know people were filling out research sheets and things like that I didn't really so you know you might <laughs> chase me off this podcast um <laughs> I kept it all uh, online and I like that but there's such huge benefits to that you know photographs and everything then scan those and mm-hmm. you know the OCR on photographs that helped me connect with uh, family in Australia my oh. late father-in-law he was always talking about this family in Australia, you know, and he'd heard about them and he'd all these little stories about World War One and going to Scotland and then going to Australia. I'd been trying to help him for years with this, and it was a small link through DNA. And then we thought, okay, where are this family connected? And then I thought, oh, there's that name in the family tree. I've seen that somewhere before. So I went through my photograph collection, searched for the name using OCR, and I found it. And oh. made the connection of, on this photograph. There was this little girl, uh, she's just like a baby, maybe a, not even a year old, one with her mother, another photograph with her father, we thought. And I sent it off to this lady in Australia. And she says, That's my mummy. She's 90 now. And that brought a tear to her eye. <laughs> that was her with her parents. Yeah, so awesome. these photographs are just sitting in a suitcase all those years and the technology, you know, the DNA and then the OCR that helped reconnect the family. And that uh, the, the lady I spoke to, her um, cousin, then came over uh, to Ireland just before the pandemic. So we got meeting up and he saw the suitcase full of photographs. That's brilliant. Yeah. The North of Ireland Family History Society has uh, a, a DNA project, quite a large project. Yes, it does. Um, the last I heard, I think we'd uh, gone over the 7,000 mark, 7,000 people wow. within our project. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think as far as I know, it's one of the largest projects out there as regards uh, a geographical area. People join that project and if you match somebody within that project, you sort of, it's a shortcut to find in your roots because you know mm-hmm. that they're um, connected and they, they lived, their ancestors lived within that area. You hope um, there is that connection. So it helps bring people together. That's brilliant. And is that, uh, how do people make contact within that? It, 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 is well, it yeah, it's online. The project, people have done their DNA through various different companies and then they transfer it into Family Tree DNA if they haven't started off there and join our project. It's very easy. You just click a button and then you just use an advanced search to search within the project and their email address will come up. So you can email the person and say, well, you know, I match you within this project. I think our ancestors both come from the north of Ireland you know, what are your family names? You know, just take it from there. Yeah, that's great. So it's it's through familytree.org. Sorry, familysearch.org. Familytree DNA. Um, oh, sorry, familytree DNA. Oh, I'm sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's one of the, the testing companies to be based out in uh, Houston. Yes. So we've been with them from the start. Yeah. But people can transfer their DNA in from the other companies as well. Yes, yeah. I, I, I My own DNA tests of two two separate ones but one on family tree dna sorry i i I thought you said the other um 
Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Um, gosh, <laughs> North Ireland Family History Society is very, uh, very, very vibrant indeed. Um, so the DNA in particular, I mean, has been such an eye opener to people. You know, it really does help uh, with their family trees. And we do run classes on DNA, all different aspects of DNA to help people. And mm-hmm. we have a special interest group as well that, that meets once a month. And that used to meet locally at our family history library. But of course, now that's all on Zoom. So people from all around the world can join in on that. Yeah. And we've got volunteers, uh, administrators on the project, and they help uh, bring people together. People can contact them and, and ask for help. You know, what did they do next and things like that. And I heard a story the other day from one of the coordinators, um, Anne, and she knew a lady within the project was looking for help. So she was helping her. But then she also knew somebody in the local area, uh, a contact. And it turns out they were third cousins and both from Fermanagh. So she connected them and brought them out to dinner. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And uh, memorial cards. The North of Ireland Family History Society have been doing uh, work on them as well. Yes, that's another one of our projects. I mean, memorial cards are just brilliant for family history research. You know, I mean, I've used them myself. I've been given a handful of um, memoriam cards from the family and then use the dates, use the names and those to take it a step further and look in newspapers to try and build out the family tree. So, yes, we have a project of memorial cards. Um, people can send in their cards to us and we will record them all, put them together. So it's a central place for people who have relatives from Northern Ireland. They can come to us and ask, well, you know, do you have such and such a surname? And, you know, it's on our website, a lot of the names, so they can have a look to see. And we'll try to get more information for them from those cards that, you know, those cards are sitting in a tin box somewhere in a house. And when when they they come into us, they're made available to people around the world. Well, uh, have you got the images scanned of the of the cards as well or just we, do, we have scanned the images and that uh, helps us but on the website it's just the the names and things like that and dates well uh, that's something that i was very interested in. i've still got buckets of them that i haven't dealt with but um i, I contacted um Chris, christina hunt uh, who is the coordinator or whatever of the ireland ireland genealogy projects archives and I suggested to her that she should set up a category for memorial cards and she did and I submitted um, whatever ones I had at that time I just scanned them and sent them off and she transcribed them as well as putting up the images and they're done by county Um, I I, I put up more lots of people have put them up since um, but I still have buckets of them that I just never got around to. Um, when my aunt died several years ago, a decade ago now, um, there were lots of them in their house, in her house. So um, I still have a lot. And somebody else then gave me some here in Bolton Glass. So I've I've got a lot of them to put up. But I think it, it, they are very valuable. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely, they are. And you're so lucky that somebody's given them to you. So they're safe for future generations. Exactly, because, I mean, people would just look at them and, oh, sure, nobody know them now, and they're going to skip, you know. When mm-hmm. It's so sad when that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maeve, I think we're 
out of time. <laughs> I'd love to talk further, but in any case, um, I look forward to meeting you in person again sometime soon. So um, Maeve Rogan, thank you very much for joining me and I hope you enjoyed the chat. Thank you, Paul. It has been great. Thank you very much for asking me. Well, we've come to the end of the series of Irish GenPod chats. I hope you enjoyed them and maybe we'll be back again. I'm Paul Gorry. Thank you for listening. Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations.